Within my congregation in Lymington, I have two long-retired missionaries. And they tell of their children's experience in their English schools when the family returned to the UK after service in India. They had had absolutely amazing experiences. Sharing their parents' lives as medical missionaries involved also in famine relief. And we're talking of their period in India as being 1951 to 1966. So when I say they're long retired, it's actually a couple who are in their 90s. And I think their children are about my age. (laughs) Frank, in fact, has an OBE for his work in developing a cure for leprosy and as a surgeon. And Winnie worked alongside him in fantastic ways. Yet back in the UK, their four children found that they had to keep quiet about all of this because of the widespread view in the 1960s that missionaries, as Winnie told me the story, were do-gooders. Now, doubtless, there were times when well-meaning but misguided missionaries fell into that kind of trap. Um, They were taking the gospel to the so-called heathen nations, and they exported all the trappings of colonial England at the same time. There's actually evidence of that in some of the Ugandan towns to this day. But what a travesty of our calling to share the gospel around the world. What a travesty of the fact that all people are equal before God. What a travesty of the responsibility made clear in this reading when Paul speaks of mutual encouragement. I long to see you, he says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. When the Romans 111 Trust was founded in 1992, it was initially with thoughts of how visitors from Africa with their vibrant faith often in such difficult situations, as you've seen hinted at earlier, could revitalize some of our churches here in the UK. And I certainly feel that I've gained at least as much from my African experiences as I've been able to help. I've been to Uganda six times, and of course, on those occasions and in the many, many other occasions when others have gone, we have helped. We often have finances, we have resources, we have theological training that our African friends can barely even dream about. And I'll share more about that after lunch. But how about the living vitality of our faith, both personally as individuals and as congregations 
and on a day-to-day basis. Surely it has to be mutual encouragement. So what I want us to do for a few moments this morning is to look at it from Paul's perspective, because mutual encouragement is, after all, his phrase, the Romans 111 Trust didn't invent it. And I want to take it in the context of this whole passage that we heard from his letter to the Romans. And the first thing that I want to speak about is love from God. Because at the start of the passage, Paul said this, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. I think your particular version of the NIV used the word saints. It's the same thing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you know that Paul virtually always started his letters by offering his readers God's grace and peace. And here, it's in the context of God's love and our expected holiness. These are some of the biggest words, aren't they, in our Christian vocabulary? Even though each of them only has four or five letters. Love, grace, Peace, holy. I can't possibly do them justice this morning, and it's not the main thrust of what I want to say. But I do want to ask you to notice this as you will in passing. To all in Rome, to all in Linfield, who are loved by God. God loves us all. He loves our African brothers and sisters. He loves you. He loves me. He loves our families and friends. He loves us equally and without favor. I'm sure you could easily quote back to me John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God's love for us. But then also, God offers his grace to us all. And again, it's offered freely and for all. It's up to us whether we accept it, whether we receive it, whether we live in its goodness. Grace, the Greek word charis. Don't know if any of you are called grace or charis. Not any graces or charises here? Not today. Okay, 
oh, <laughs> in the Sunday school, lovely. Um, that word was a version of the Greek form of greeting. It means charm or beauty. But then there's an added layer given to it in its Christian context. A massively deeper meaning that by Jesus' death and resurrection, we're offered salvation and eternal life. Some people find the acrostic God's riches at Christ's expense. Spelling out the word grace, helpful. Others don't, but I offer it. God's riches at Christ's expense, his grace. But then Paul adds to that the promise of God's peace. And here's the Hebrew greeting, the word shalom, which in Greek is irene. Have we got any irenes? There you are, irene, peace. But it doesn't just mean an absence of noise, you know, when the kids are in bed or when the pop festival down the road finally turns off its microphones. It means wholeness, wholeness of life with God, with each other, with ourselves. What a way for Paul to greet his readers. What an offer for us. Love from God. But then secondly, Paul goes on and he speaks about prayers to God. Because if you're following in your Bibles, verses 8 to 10 speak of several aspects of the way in which Paul prays. And he's not giving a sermon on prayer. He's actually just talking about it, throwing it out, as it were, as he goes along, because it's his assumption that prayer is important. He's giving us an insight into his own prayer life, as he often does in his letters. He thanks God for the Roman Christians. He says that he remembers them in his prayers at all times. And he prays for an opportunity to visit them. So let me ask you, and please don't answer, about your own prayer lives. Do you thank God for your fellow Christians? How about your Ugandan links and others? Do you thank God for those? Do you pray for those people, for one another here? Probably most of you will say yes, but I want to go on and say, how often? How often do you pray for one another? And those overseas links. And do you pray for opportunities to share with other Christians, or indeed for those who are not Christian? Or do you pray, as in the possibly apocryphal story, as somebody was standing at a door knocking, and they pray, Dear Lord, 
please let them be out. By nature, I'm fairly shy, so I understand that prayer very well indeed. Love from God, prayers to God. But then let's think about sharers in God. Because of God's love, because of his grace and his peace, because of Paul's constant prayers, he's now in a position to share his longing, his deep, deep longing to give to and receive from the Roman Christians who he's not yet been able to visit. He's a preacher, he's a missionary, he's a teacher who wants to, as he says, impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. It's what he did. God spoke to him, strengthened him, equipped him, and he wanted to share it with others. He had an evangelistic missionary heart. But on the other side of the coin, he also wanted to be encouraged himself by these Christians' faith. These men and women who've become Christians in the very heart of the Roman Empire, the capital city of Rome, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. As people have greeted me this morning, they've used phrases like, we're so grateful to you for coming, it's, it's really good to welcome you. And my genuine response is, it is a real pleasure to be here. And I think that that's something about this mutuality of encouragement. Yes, I accept that today I have the responsibility for bringing God's word. But doing that as I do week by week, not every week because my ministry in Limington is part-time, but but I go to other places too, I need to be encouraged And you have a responsibility to encourage those who come and bring God's word. And that genuinely does happen. I assure you, it genuinely does happen. And so there is that mutual encouragement today. As if you like, we we feed off one another as we share in fellowship around worship and God's word. And it's that kind of thing that was so sad about my missionary family's experience when they returned to the UK. Their children had to keep quiet about so much that could have been so enriching. Though the story has been oft told since by parents and children alike. And I, for one, I'm massively encouraged in my faith by all that these elder statesmen experienced, not only in India, in fact, but also previously in pre-Mao China. 
Frank's call to missionary service and Winnie's call to be alongside him in that began three weeks after their marriage in 1948 when they set sail for China and then just got out by the skin of their teeth as the Maoist revolution took hold. Amazing stories from amazing, humble servants of God who still live it at the ages of 92 and 94. They're a wonderful, wonderful couple, and we are so privileged to have them in our congregation. But it's that kind of thing that is why the Romans 111 Trust always stresses the mutuality of the work that we do in Africa. I have learnt so much. And I pray that you have learned from your association with Samuel, his church and his school in Sanjay. But I acknowledge too that by God's grace, I and many others like you have helped and continue to help our brothers and sisters in Uganda and Zambia and previously in other countries. For me, it's the only healthy way to look at mission. A giving and a receiving of God's love, his grace, his peace, and all within the context of prayer. But please allow me to finish with one final point. Love from God. I've forgotten now what my second point was. (laughs) Prayers to God. Sharers in God. And finally, the power of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Jews and Gentiles, Africans and Europeans, all need to live by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot do this work of mission. And each of us should be involved in some way in the work of mission. Be it active ministry in some way, or active prayer for those who are active missionaries. We can't do any of it in our own strength, or by relying on our own good ideas. We need the power of God to inspire us, to strengthen us, to motivate us, to get us up off our backsides. Then, as we share together in the gospel of salvation, surely we will be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And that's my prayer for you all this morning. Amen.